all my friends present, pass it beyond. Especially those who aren't with us too long. Life is the most precious thing you can lose. While you were here, the fun was never ending. Life a minute was only beginning. Kevin Cohen, Nico, this one for you. Good afternoon, everybody! Yeah. Welcome to Talking Philly Sports with Matty B. I am your host, Matt Benarchek, and I am back after a long absence. And it is awesome to be here talking to you today. It is Friday, September the 11th, 2020. And we are listening to some, some Pennywise and the Brohim. All right, what a way to get pumped, get pumped. It is definitely great to be back. And yes, 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 I know I have been gone. A while. Uh, it has been about two and a half months since I sat down to come at you and to, to do one of these. And I, 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 I'm sorry. It has been a while. Things got crazy in July. Things got crazy in August. And things have regulated a little bit in September. I am back. And I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise that I will not be gone that long again. It is, uh, you know, I miss doing it. I've missed the opportunity to sit down and, and spend an hour or so with you guys talking Philly sports, talking the thing that I love the most in life. And boy, do we got a lot to talk about since the last time we spoke. So since the last time we spoke, which was in early July, everything was kind of coming together, right? They, the, uh, the NHL, you know, they were, they were finalizing Well, they had finalized. They were, they were moving things forward. They were getting ready for the start of their season. The NBA, the same thing. They were finalizing the bubble. They were finalizing all the, you know, the X's and O's to, to start their season. The NFL was kind of teetering back and forth a little bit on um, what their plan was going to be. But the plan was we're having a season. I mean, we're not deviating from that. We're going to have a season. And Major League Baseball. <laughs> well, Major League Baseball was still kind of embattled a little bit in some sort of CBA issues with the owners wanting this and the players wanting that. But for the most part, the, the, the sports scene in America was looking lively and was looking it was looking it had a heartbeat. It had a pulse. It had it had something. And here we are uh, two and a half months later, September the 11th. Uh, and we have a lot to kind of catch back up on. I have a lot to talk about. I have a guest coming up that's going to blow your minds. He is one of the uh, the um, voices, literally, of Philadelphia Sports Talk and Sports Talk Radio. The host of the Marks and Reese show, John Marks, is going to join me here in a little bit. And we'll talk everything from the Birds to the Phillies to the Flyers to the Sixers uh, to uh, the pandemic and, and, and everything else. So I got that coming up and I got a lot more that we got to jump into. So let's start with with I got to start with this. So uh, those of you who have been listening to the show, those of you who know who I am, I am a veteran. Uh, I am a United States Army veteran. I retired after almost 30 years of collective service to the United States Army on May the 1st. 
uh, this past May the 1st. And I was a part of the generation of the post 9-11 world. Uh, I was in the Army on 9-11. I served on multiple combat deployments uh, as a result of 9-11. I've lost friends because of that. Uh, we've all lost a lot. And today, when we look back 19 years you know, ago on this on this day, the, the, uh, the brutality, the horror, the evil that was perpetrated against our nation, you know, um, it, it, it brings it all back. You know, it was it was probably one of the most, if not the most painful day of my life. Um, you know, it, it, th those memories are still there and the feelings and the rawness of that are still there. Uh, so with that being said, I'd like to pause for a moment out of the respect of the people that we lost on 9-11, um, all the people we lost in the ensuing combat operations that, that happened after 9-11, all the families that were affected by, by, by that and, and just the, the innocents that died that day. All right. So we're back. So as I said, the last time we spoke, uh, sports was finalizing everything. Sports was getting ready to come on back with a with a vengeance. And let's jump right into the sport that is really near and dear to my heart, of course, that is hockey. So the Flyers began play as part of the NHL's 24-team bubble pool, I guess. You had 12 teams from the West, 12 teams from the East. Uh, the Flyers started play as the number four seed in the East. They began the they were participating in the, in the round robin uh, one through four for seeding, while the other teams, the five through twelve, uh, participated in a they called it a play in round. Now, a lot of people called it uh, the playoffs. Some people didn't call it the playoffs. I think in the NHL record books, it is it is down as the playoffs. But as far as the Flyers went, a very strong showing in their round robin play. They beat the. Uh, Capitals, they beat the Lightning, they beat the Bruins in route to the number one overall seed in the East. And I remember coming out of that thinking, I was I was on a fence though because there was the popular sentiment around town was, wow, you know, this is, you know, they haven't skipped a beat. You know, they're as hot as they they're they're as hot now as they were when they went into the stoppage. Um, I looked at it a little differently, and I don't know this from any kind of confirmed sources, nor do I do I um, substantiate that. But to me, the other teams looked like they were kind of treating the play-in round as, as, as kind of a tune-up, you know, a, a, a preseason, if you will, <laughs> in order to kind of get back into the swing of things. Um, not to take away from the Flyers' performance in, in the play or in the round robin, they played well. Now, with the result of the round robin and them being in the number one seed, they waited for the winner of the uh, – they waited for the, for the lowest seed remaining out of the 5 through 12 matchup. And the 12th seed was the Montreal Canadiens. And they shocked the world a little bit by defeating the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, setting up a Flyers, um, a Flyers Canadians first round matchup, which the Flyers in those playoff games, um, they won three out of four of them. Okay. Or they won, you know, they, they won the series four games one. They won it in five. But there was definitely something a little bit more realistic, I guess, to the way the Flyers played in that first round against the Canadians. The Canadians pushed the Flyers 
really hard. They did. The Canadians just weren't not as talented as the Flyers. I think the Flyers won that series mainly on their talent. Um, and But the Canadians, I think, exposed a few things that were um, weak about this team, about the Flyers. The Flyers' power play in that series was, was dreadful. Uh, in the entire playoffs, the Flyers' uh, power play was a 4 for 45. I mean, that is like historically putrid, right? But they exposed a slow, um, lumbering defensive core for the Flyers. I mean, we have a mix of old and young back there. Uh, you know, the Justin Brauns the, on the older side, the Matt Niskanen's on the older side, the Ivan Provorov's on the younger side, the Travis Sand, or the Phil Myers on the younger side. And then the fact that we couldn't keep Shane Gossesphere in the lineup, he was in and out for various matchup reasons and skill set issues. Uh, the Canadians really pushed the Flyers to their brink. And the Canadians just were just I, just a little bit undermatched or overmatched against the Flyers. They're not, not as good as the Flyers. So ultimately, the Flyers won out over talent. But it exposed something that the next opponent, the New York Islanders, uh, took full advantage of. And um, that was a very frustrating series. The Flyers got down three games to one. Uh, they looked at times like they were skating around in concrete shoes. They looked... Uh, confused by what the, the the Islanders were throwing against them. They just looked out of sorts. Uh, but they were able to battle back from that 3-1 deficit, push it to a game seven. And in the game seven, they just were flat. I mean, they came out, I think, tired. I think they were just worn out. And they succumbed and they were eliminated from the uh, from the playoffs. But as we look at the postmortem of that, as we look at what was and what could be, I think there's a lot of um, reason for hope and a lot of reason for excitement about the Flyers turning the corner of being a valid team again in the National Hockey League. Winning a Stanley Cup is not easy. It's it's not easy. Uh, there's some luck along the way uh, as well. But I think that for the next foreseeable future, five to seven to ten years, you're going to be thinking and talking about the Flyers as a cup challenger, as a cup contender, uh, for now and for the foreseeable future. So I 100% agree with that. And um, it was really good to see the way the season ended. Obviously frustrating the way it ended, but I think overall the expectations of what we, we have of this team going forward are great. Uh, the future is very bright for the Flyers. Now as for the Phillies. So the Phillies began their play uh, at the end of July, early August. And... Um, <laughs> So in the beginning, they couldn't hit. They were getting above average starting pitching, and their bullpen was, uh, well, let's face it, their bullpen was was horrible. Their, their bullpen was historically horrible. Um, so that was not really a good way to start the season. They would win a couple, lose a couple, win a couple, lose a couple. But then they began to hit. But their bullpen began to get worse. At one point, the bullpen of the Philadelphia Phillies had a collective ERA of over 17. You cannot win at the major league level with that type of bullpen. But they were able to kind of win more than they would lost due to the fact that they had a really strong offense. Uh, JT Romilto, uh, Bryce Harper, Didi, um, Eric Baum, who came up later on. Uh, really just one of the better offensive seasons that I've ever seen from the Phillies uh, was what the 2020 season has been. And here we are in the middle part of September, 
Now, they've made some upgrades to the bullpen. They brought in some people. Matt Klintak made some trades at the trade deadline, brought in about four or five relievers. They've lowered that ERA from 17 down to 7. But here we are. We are in a position right now, as I speak, the Phillies are in the midst of a seven-game uh, seven game series against the Marlins over the next, um, what, four days, five days, where, in essence, this, this, this defines the season. The Phillies are going to come out of this. They're currently the number five seed in the National League. They're second in the, in the National League East. And overall, they're the fifth seed in the eight-team playoff National League, National League, right? This is going to define their season, this series. If they lose five out of seven, I would imagine that they may not be able to pull themselves out of that. If they win five out of seven, we are punching our ticket all the way to the playoffs. But for whatever way, this, this is the, the series that will define define their season so it has been it has been fun to watch them it's been frustrating to watch them it's been angry to watch them it's been all of the above but it, it, it it's great to see that they're back on the field now the Sixers now I again I have made no bones about what what I believe the Sixers are I, I haven't I thought this roster was bad from the beginning of the season I thought this roster was poorly constructed from the beginning of the season we did not replace the, the shooting prowess of J.J. Redick when he left. Uh, we brought in a big man to play alongside one of the, you know, another big man. It turned out that they can never figure out how to use Al Horford the right way. The Sixers went into the bubble, um, entrenched in that sixth slot in the East with an opportunity to move up. Uh, absolutely. Uh, they didn't take advantage of that opportunity. They were wishy-washy, ticky-tacky all the way through the rest of the season. They ended up holding on to that sixth seed, playing against the Boston Celtics, and then getting completely steamrolled in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. The Celtics swept them out in four games. Joe, uh, ben Simmons actually ended up not even playing in the majority of the bubble games. He got hurt. Joel Embiid showed signs of uh, fatigue, uh, that he was out of gas at the end of games. Uh, just a, a straight mess. Brett Brown was then fired after the playoffs. Uh, right now, the Sixers are currently still looking for a head coach. I, I don't think the problem was with Brett Brown. I think the problem, obviously, is with this roster. The problem was it's with this front office. The problem is with this management group. The Sixers have bleak days ahead because the way the contracts are set up on that team – there's nothing the Sixers are going to be able to do to kind of dump those contracts. There's nothing they can do. They are stuck with some players that they don't need to be stuck with. So not looking good for the Sixers, which brings me to the Philadelphia Eagles. As I speak to you, we are less than 48 hours away from the start of the Philadelphia Eagle 2020 season. On Sunday at 1 p.m. down there at FedEx Field in Virginia, the Philadelphia Eagles will kick off the 101st season of the National Football League against the Washington football team. Uh, that might also have been changed since the last time I spoke. Um, they will go into this this game with a with question marks at wide receiver, question marks at offensive line, question marks in their defensive secondary, and question marks along their defensive line. But as I listen to, around the airwaves of the Philadelphia talk radio scene, I hear – Predictions of 11 and 5. I hear predictions of 10 and 6 and playoffs and 
division championships and Super Bowl contention. And and I am not I'm not buying that. I have been on record multiple on multiple platforms, multiple times throughout this offseason predicting where I thought the Eagles were going to be. I started at eight and eight. I got off that eight and eight really quick. Kind of went down to a seven and nine, you know, after the schedule came out. I held at seven and nine, and then the drama began. The drama, the drama. I mean, the drama really began back in January, but the drama of this football team, and I will, I'm going to ask John Marks about that drama later on in this in this uh, broadcast about what he thinks of the drama and and what that means for the potential uh, season for this team. But between uh, Bringing Jason Peters back and then losing your or losing Brandon Brooks, your right tackle, um, losing Andre Dillard, your left guard. Jason Peters then being asked to play left guard, but saying he wasn't brought here to be a left guard. He was brought here to be a right guard or left tackle to be a right guard. He'll play left guard only if he gets more money. The team then denying that Jason Peters ever said that. And then a few weeks later or a couple of days later, all of a sudden, magically, Jason Peters' contract is re, re, renegotiated or reconstructed with a $4 million bump. And now he's your left guard. And uh, the team is still adamantly saying that that conversation about him never not playing left to left because he wasn't being paid that, uh, you know, they, they are still holding that narrative that that conversation uh, never had, never happened. Then there's a story by Jeff McLean that came out that said that essentially from inside the organization, uh, Doug Peterson will be the one that they are going to pin the tail of the donkey on if this season is not successful. So now there's there's dissension inside the uh, the front office. Now there's there's finger pointing going on upstairs. Um, then Zach Ertz apparently wanting to renegotiate and you know, sign a contract extension, making him a Philadelphia Eagle for extensively the rest of his career, that being shut down because the team allegedly doesn't want to talk about that or they don't want to discuss that or they don't, they're not interested in that. And, and, and him going public with his frustrations, you know, and then on top of all that, on top of all that, the cherry, if you will, is that, after the 53-man roster, the final cuts were cut down, and we had the 53 for the 2020 season. Two players that were part of the 2017 draft class of the Philadelphia Eagles are currently on this team. Two. And Derek Barnett and Nate Geary, Jerry, Jerry, however you say it, I don't even know how to say the guy's last name, for God's sakes, are the only two players remaining from that draft class. I mean, again, I, I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia right now when, when it comes to sports. I don't know what has happened to our vaunted front offices and our GMs that were so heralded just years, a couple of years ago that we are in a, in a state of mess that we are in right now. But it has made the last two and a half months since the last time we spoke very interesting and very, um, very noteworthy. So, uh Awesome stuff, you know, and we will get into all that. We'll we'll talk at length to to uh, to John Marks again. I can't really be I can't emphasize and be excited enough about about John Marks coming on and, and, and taking um, some time with me today 
uh, talking about, um, you know, uh, talking about his rise to the Philadelphia sports scene, talking about who he is, talking about, you know, his views on some of these these topics that I've already mentioned. So we got a great show lined up. Uh, as always, it's it's great to be um, it's great to be with you guys. I I am honored to be able to be able to do this. I am honored and, and, and excited to come on here when I do. I know it's been a while. I promise that won't happen again. I've I've, I've regulated a little bit. We'll, we'll get more into this. And now we got football. Now we got you know the greatest time of the year for me. Um, you know September through the end of the football season. So a lot to talk about. A lot to get into. We're gonna on the other side of this in part two of this interview or part two of, of this broadcast. We're gonna jump right in with John Marks. So stay with me. Stay with the broadcast. Trans, transition to part two and then part three and part four. Enjoy it. Have fun. Um, I'll come back and talk with you after after the interview. And again, it's great to be back. I'm happy to be back. And uh, let's go.